book three chapter fifteen of tasker jevons the real story by may sinclair this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by expatriate in bangor maine book three his book chapter fifteen i think i have said that jevons made me suffer he did i can say that before those three weeks of his all my contacts with him were infected by the poison of my suffering but all that was nothing to what he made me suffer since what i suffer now when i remember the things i have said of him the things i have thought and felt my furtive belittling of him my unwilling admiration the doubt that i encouraged in the mean hope that it would become a certainty i would give anything to be like the canon or my wife the only two of us whose conscience doesn't reproach them when they see jimmy's right sleeve i remembered nora saying to me once i shall be sorry for you if you don't take care well i am sorry for myself but i am still sorrier for mrs thesiger i know there's a great deal to be said for her i had wired to them from dunkirk to tell them that reggie was slightly wounded but recovering and that the four of us would be in canterbury that evening it wasn't my fault if reggie being a british officer was taken from us at dover and sent to a military hospital but i admit i ought to have wired again to the thesigers to inform them of the fact i ought to have remembered that reggie was more important to mrs thesiger than jevons even if jevons had done what mrs thesiger didn't yet know he'd done the maternal passion is a terrible thing it has made women commit crimes it made my mother-in-law push viola from her on her threshold and turn on me as i was helping jimmy out of the car it made her say you brought my son-in-law what have you done with my son to do her justice she hadn't seen what had happened to jimmy though he was tired and weak he could still stand up and stagger along if you held him tight and the maternal passion is not more terrible than the passion that viola had for jevons it made her say to her mother as the canon and i brought jimmy in the dear old man had seen in an instant why he wore his coat slung loose over his right shoulder you can see what we're doing with my husband and when we were all in the drawing-room and i was explaining gently that reggie was all right but that we'd had to send him to the military hospital it made her say if it wasn't for your son-in-law your son wouldn't be alive god knows what thirst she satisfied what bitterness she exhausted what secret anguish she avenged they were all there the thesiger women they had come you see to meet reggie victoria and millicent and mildred and they heard her but it was mildred who saw she spoke to her mother can't you see she said viola was kneeling by the sofa where her father had made jimmy lie and she had unbuttoned and taken from him his heavy coat she looked at me and said please take them away somewhere and tell them jimmy is so tired i know that must seem awful it was awful to come back from the battlefields of flanders from sieges and sackings and slaughter and see the women flashing fire at each other and they were mother and daughter but you see they were women i know that the war should have purged them of their passions perhaps it did purge them but your lover is your lover and your son your son for all that and it wasn't easy for mrs thesiger to see how her son-in-law could have saved her son i am not sure that she wouldn't have thought it presumption in jevons to suppose that he could save anybody let alone her son there were people like the thesigers from whom heroism was expected as a matter of course and there were people like jevons you know what she said about his going to the front when i had finished the tale 
and i let her have the whole of it from the first shell that hit the town hall to the bit of the third shell that hit jimmy she said you mean that if he hadn't gone back for his car she had broken down and was sobbing quietly but you could see how her mind worked i said i mean that if he hadn't gone back to the town hall to look for reggie he wouldn't have been hit then i told her how they took jimmy's hand off i heard the cannon groan millicent and victoria began to sob as their mother had sobbed mildred set her teeth firmly and mrs thesiger turned to me a queer disordered face and spoke they they gave the anaesthetic to reggie they did i said because jimmy made them yes i am very sorry for mrs thesiger she cried softly and with a great recovery of beauty and dignity for about fifteen seconds the canon had gone back to jevons then she rose and addressed her daughter mildred dear i think jimmy had better have reggie's room then she went to him and i am told that she kissed him for the first time she kissed him as if he had been her son poor jimmy i may say was so tired that he didn't want to be kissed by anybody he still had reggie's room six weeks later when i came back from france for a weekend reggie had recovered and was with them for a fortnight's leave before he went out again nora and i went down on saturday to see him his leave was up on sunday night without reggie i don't think i should have realized jevons in his final phase he had been happy i know at hampstead in the first two years of his marriage he had been happy most of the time in edwards square even in mayfair he had had moments and amershott had been on the whole an improvement on mayfair and he had lived through his three weeks in ghent in a sort of ecstasy and before that all the time there had been his work which i am always forgetting and his fame when he didn't forget it but there had always been something at first it had been the thesigers as long as mrs thesiger as long as one thesiger held out against him he had felt defeat and then there had been reggie's return and his appalling doubt he had pretended not to see his doubt and not to mind it and he had seen it as he saw everything and he had minded awfully then came viola's illness which you could put down to reggie's doubt and after that it had been viola pretty nearly all the time and even at ghent by the tortures of anxiety she had caused him you may say that she had spoiled his ecstasy and now without any effort or any calculation or foresight by a stupendous accident he had found happiness and peace and certainty the thing was so consummately done and so timed to the minute that when you saw him there enjoying it you could have sworn that he had played for it and pulled it off it was as if he had said to himself give me time and i'll bring all these people round even mrs thesiger even reggie i'll make them love me wait and you'll just see how i shall score and there he was scoring and it was as if he had said to himself long ago as for viola i know all about it i know i do things that make the poor child shudder but i can put that all right i can make her forget it i give myself three weeks as if he said she thought she was going to leave me i knew that too and i didn't care she might have left me a thousand times and i should have brought her back i used to think it pathetic that jevons should have wanted mrs thesiger to love him that he should have wanted reggie to but i must say his pathos was avenged they were pathetic now that big hulking major wasn't happy unless he was writing jimmy's letters or cutting up jimmy's meat for him or helping him in and out of his clothes mrs thesiger wasn't happy unless she was doing things for him the canon wasn't happy though like nora he had nothing on his conscience 
and mildred and millicent and victoria weren't happy nor the thesigers friends in the cathedral close and then after they had made a hero of him for six weeks on that saturday night when we were all together in the canon's library jevons made his confession we had been exchanging reminiscences something had made viola think of jimmy's general and the two colonels at ghent she began telling the canon how we had watched them through the glass screen and how funny general robet had looked with his arm round jimmy's neck and how he had said that jimmy was a salamander and that he didn't know what fear is oh don't i said jimmy and that sent reggie back to the day when he had first seen jimmy look here old man what made you say you were an arrant coward because said jimmy simply i am one dear old roubaix was talking through his hat not know what fear is i know a good many things but i don't know anything better than that you can't tell me anything about fear i don't know you've no idea how i funked going out to the war yes funked it wasn't any ordinary funk mind you the little creepy feeling in your waist and your tummy tumbling down and your heart sort of fluttering over the place where it used to be i believe you can get over that and i never had that ever except once when i saw viola in a place where she'd no business to be it was something much worse it it was in my head in my brain a sort of madness and it never let me alone it was worse at night and after i got up and began to go about in the morning when my brain woke and remembered but it was there all the time i saw things horrors and i heard them i saw and heard the whole war all the blessed time all those infernal five weeks before i got out to it i kept seeing horrors and hearing them there was a lot of detail realism wasn't in it and it was all correct because i verified it afterwards things were just like that every morning when i got up i said to myself i'm going out to that damned war but i wish to god somebody come and chloroform me before i get there there were moments when i could have chloroformed myself i felt as if it was the utter injustice of god that i i had to be mixed up in it not know what fear is just conceive said jimmy a man living like that in abject abominable terror in black funk keeping it up all day and half the night for five solid weeks before he got there and when you got there said reggie were you in a funk oh well you see by the time i'd got there it had pretty well worn itself out there wasn't any funk left to be in and when i saw reggie look at him i knew he had scored again still i wondered how it really stood with them and whether reggie had settled with his doubt or whether sometimes when you caught him looking at jimmy it had come over him again the kind of virtue his brother-in-law had displayed in flanders wouldn't help him you see to that particular solution and with the thesigers when they took after their mother things died hard he must have felt that he had to settle it before he went viola told us what happened it was his last evening and the three were together in that room of reggie's he had just said that viola wouldn't care how many town halls he was buried under as long as jimmy didn't go and dig him out and then suddenly he went straight for it jimmy he said did you run away with my sister or didn't you i don't care whether you did or not but did you no i didn't said jimmy then what the dickens reggie said were you doing together in bruges we were looking at the belfry said jimmy and reggie shook his head that's beyond me he said yes said viola but it wasn't beyond jimmy that's the real story of tasker jevons and his wife don't ask me what would have happened to them if there hadn't been a war 
i've tried to show you the sort of man he was he knew his hour even before it found him and you cannot separate him from his hour end of chapter fifteen recording by expatriate in bangor maine end of tasker jevons the real story by may sinclair